All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, I have Jack Foreman. Uh, Jack is the president of Bicoastal Productions, the New York City-based global concerts and theatrical booking agency. Jack's current client roster includes acts like Lee Rocker of Stray Cats fame, Naturally Seven, The Hitmen, legendary rock supergroup, Scotland's Red Hot Chili Pipers, and the Bronx Wanderers. Originally spearheading the agency's coverage of the Western United States, Jack now oversees the agency's staff and global touring strategy. He remains actively involved with industry organizations like the Western Arts Alliance, North American Performing Arts Managers and Artists, and the Association of Performing Art, uh, Arts Professionals. Jack, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Toby. Good to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, what, how did you sort of get your start? Did you always know that you wanted to be involved with music or, or how did you sort of get into this uh, career? Yeah, I definitely always wanted music. And uh, to be honest with you, I always really saw the path of booking to be the most appealing for me. So I've been doing this ever since uh, the top of my college and uh, really all throughout my years there and afterwards, just jumping from internship to internship with record labels and agencies anywhere I could get in and uh, just really all built from there. But I've always really wanted to do this. So what was it like getting started when you kind of were starting at ground zero how did you originally just start booking people? Well, for me, I mean, I always worked with artists since college. You know, I was booking little shows for people here and there, especially if I was working with a friend's group or things like that. But, uh, you know, in college, I was working with an agency in Chicago called the Windish Agency that had a lot of different indie and electronic artists that I was really into at the time. So I was working on the desks of a lot of different agents there. And then uh, afterwards, I ended up going out to New York to work for ICM Partners here. Uh, in the hip-hop and R&B department, worked for a hip-hop agent out there. And then shortly after that, I ended up at Bicoastal, where I kind of was given a roster from day one being a territorial agent there. So I had all of a sudden a big diverse roster, and it's really grown from there. And I've had the fortune of growing with the company ever since. So it's, you know, I've really built my own kind of area of the roster, but I've been able to represent quite a bit of different types of artists having been with a company that's as diverse as by coastal for over six years now. So, right. And we'll definitely talk about, gotcha. We'll definitely uh, get into by coastal. I'm curious though, uh, with the, uh, you were working for a company that was, it was mainly hip hop. Is that what you're saying? Oh, uh, well, ICM is one of the biggest agencies in the world for film, TV, literary music. And the agent that I was assigned to was primarily working with hip hop and R and B acts. Yeah. Okay. And what, I'm curious, what did you notice as far as like the different kind of genres of music? Does it differ a lot as far as strategies, booking shows, or is it pretty universal across the music industry? No, it's extremely different. I mean, hip hop and R&B is its own crazy yet amazing world. Uh, as much as I love, love that music, it just wasn't the right fit for me. But uh, there's a lot of nuances to how people do business and how people promote in hip hop that's so different from the things I work with now with classic rock or comedy or stage shows. It's just such a different angle, but it works for them. There's a reason that, that people see success with that style of work and that style of building. And it's just each, each single one has its own nuances and there's really some crazy war stories because of it. 
Gotcha. So, and then getting started with bi-coastal, I'm curious, so what would have been uh, kind of like the biggest challenges or what are the main projects that, that you're sort of working on? Is it, is it sort of booking specific artists uh, or are you more so like working with venues? How does that exactly work? Uh, well, we have a roster of artists. We have uh, about 20 core artists and then uh, quite a number of other artists whom we work with from time to time on an exclusive basis. But we represent those artists in various territories. You know, some artists, we may only represent them in North America, and then some we may represent them worldwide. And our job is to book them all of the shows that they would like to perform throughout a year's time. Some artists need to be on the road for 50 weeks of the year, and then some artists want to go out only every so often on you know, sporadic weekends and not have a consistent tour. But it's our job to work with venues and promoters to help market, market these artists and get them the best shows to fit their needs and to help develop their careers alongside the record label and their, their management who all have their own tasks at hand. So we're just doing our part in that mix. And then some artists, we get a little bit more hands-on with them. Okay. And tell me, uh, you know, as far as like the biggest sort of skill set uh, or biggest skills that you need to have to sort of be successful at a job, you know, such as yours, I would assume networking is probably a huge part of what you do. It is when you're getting into it, I'd say, you know, and, and if you're trying to meet new artists or new new people in general, it is. But honestly, the biggest day-to-day skill that it takes to really succeed in any part of this business is problem solving. I mean, the amount of problem solving that you have to do with an artist that's out on tour is staggering for some. I mean, there's some artists that literally could figure everything out. And then there are some artists that need constant assistance whenever something goes wrong. You know, if you've got a tour bus full of people from another country coming through and doing a, you know, doing a massive U.S. cross-country tour and there's just problem after problem after problem at each tour stop and you got to figure out new ways of mitigating them, uh, you're going to certainly get your hands dirty and you're, you're finding all kinds of things to do problem solving with, even with professional people you work with. You know, if there's venues and artists who have all you know, really done their homework and done everything right, you're still going to have things that come up, you know, just acts of God. And the biggest problem that has come up has been COVID-19 and we've had to get creative with it. So uh, that's been a big one. I can imagine. And I, I wanted to ask you about that in a sec. Um, mm-hmm. First though, are, so do you go on tour? Do you, are you ever on tour with artists or are you always working just kind of out of your office? I have gone on tour with artists, but it's not a major part of what I do. I do know agents okay. that go out frequently with their artists, you know, just to be a part of the the system. But uh, my artists generally have tour managers or they have their managers that are handling the day-to-day and we're not needed out on the road. We're better served in our central mothership in New York where we can really, uh, you know, take care of everything remotely. I know now, now with 2020 being what it is, you can really do just about anything remotely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so speaking of, you know, with COVID obviously changing, you know, they're not being shows anymore, at least in the U.S. Uh, tell me a little about kind of, you know, some of the different, I guess, creative ways that musicians and just the music industry has, has tried to figure out to still make money, um, you know, during this challenging time. They've, a lot of artists and venues even have embraced the technology for what it is that's out there today for reaching audiences, you know, especially with things like streaming, 
people have gone to the past a little bit by things like drive-ins, but that can only be so great for so long. But streaming has really come a long way in a very short time. And with how accessible it is for just about anybody with an iPhone or with uh, a decent computer with a good internet connection to go live, a lot of people have been able to turn their homes into their venue. And a lot of venues have been able to turn their venues into a soundstage or a TV studio where they never were before because the technology is so elementary. Um, so we're seeing a lot of artists turn to that to really find a new method of creating and being proactive with their careers. And is it working so far? Have, have some people found yeah. success? Yeah, some people have found crazy success. I mean, we know people that have literally grossed $50,000 on a single live stream show. And, wow. and there are some who've grossed $50 and, you know, you never would, you can't really predict it. But if there's artists that are doing the right thing and are embracing the technology and fan engagement for all that it is, and, you know, you're, you're partnering with the right companies who are all trying to do something creative, then you're going to, you're going to find a way to succeed if you're just, if you're just grabbing it by the horns and not letting the pandemic keep you from creating. Right. Tell me about uh, if, if you're, knowledgeable about sort of the live streams i'm curious you know how how people go about kind of promoting that how you know as you're saying some people making fifty thousand, some people making five bucks how how does that segment of the industry if you will sort of work you promote it kind of like you would a normal show uh you know you, you do go heavily on social media and you would uh, try to get involved with some cross promoters if possible. I, I always encourage artists to seek out sponsorship from various companies that have supported them in the past, whether it's a local business or a restaurant even, or maybe a guitar company or a sponsorship that they may have with an instrument provider or, you know, a, a certain other type of organization that they may have worked with in the past, you know, using, using all that you have to expand upon that is really going to help you. But uh, artists are finding a lot easier ways of promoting it when they tap into the areas where people may not be experiencing as much entertainment from home these days. And um, by going live, they're providing a great service. And if they tap their people who've been their usual fans to bring a friend, uh, they're seeing a lot with it. But, you know, all the platforms out there really offer a lot of assistance with it. You know, platforms like the one we work with, which is called Veeps. You know, it's a great platform that was started by the Madden brothers from Good Charlotte. I mean, they've created something that's amazing and they've really helped artists with their marketing, especially. And artists have made incredible, incredible revenue from just going live on there. So there's all kinds of things you can really do with it. Okay. So, Jack, switching gears a little bit, I wanted to, to sort of ask, you know, if, if a new artist or, or an artist that you guys, you know, decided to start working with, if they came to you, do you, is it usually just kind of hearing out what they want and then trying to implement that? Or are you also sort of playing coach as far as kind of helping them grow and, and kind of giving them resources that they might not otherwise know about? It really depends on the artist. There are some artists that come to us with a blank slate and they're saying we could really use all the direction we could get. And then there are some artists that say we have all the direction we need. We just need you to do your part and book the shows. Um, so it's really all across the board. I mean, we have some artists that we've developed with a very frequent handhold. And then there are some artists who, uh, who just need it for all we need. Uh, for instance, and I, I know it sounds a little cryptic, 
uh, one of my clients, Naturally Seven, they've got a manager out in LA, this guy, Bill Siddons, and he used to manage people like the doors. I mean, he's this guy, this guy does not need help telling artists how to be successful. Um, but he's relied on us to be their booking agent for North America. That's our role. So if we do that correctly, then we're serving the artist in our best possible way. But then an artist like the Hitmen, whom we've been with since the beginning of their careers as the Hitmen, you know, we've really gotten involved in all creative aspects of what they do to help their show. So it's really, it's really variable dependent on, uh, dependent on what the artist comes to you with. But sometimes we offer support even when it's not asked for. And the best artists are the ones who can at least hear it, even if they don't follow it or if we're offering the wrong thing. I think it's important for any creative in this modern age to be able to take some sort of criticism for whatever it's worth. Right. What about, so, so the artists that you do kind of work to develop more, is it always sort of on a case by case basis? Is it always sort of using kind of creative, uh, uh, you know, ideas to, to grow their brand or is there sort of a formula that you guys have found works to sort of build up um, some of these artists that come to you? You know, I think I think because our roster is so diverse, there isn't really a formula that we use for all. Uh, we're big believers in having certain cornerstones of each artist's career that should be as good as possible before they really reach out into the next step. You know, for instance, having great marketing assets and you know creative materials that they can use for, for that we can even use for pitching their show and that they can use to give to venues to help sell tickets. I mean, having that up front gives them such a high advantage that they may not even know and keeping data handy as it comes in to help make our case when marketing these shows is really proving very, very key. But um, it's, it's, it depends. I mean, there's some artists that really can use a lot of criticism on how they perform. Even, you know, some artists have so much talent yet they haven't actually crafted a great solid 60 to 90 minute show. We found that quite a bit where you have an artist who's as good as it gets, but they're just performing covers and going, Hey, you remember this one? And then they play the next song and then they do the next song. But if you turn to an actual live experience that you would want to see as an art, as an audience member, you know, that's very valuable to offer any artist, whether you're an agent, a manager or anything in between. And in terms of the shows, what, in your opinion, what do you think kind of makes a great show? as far as whether it's, you know, the, the sort of stage or lighting or the, you know, specific songs, playlists that they're doing. Um, what, what kind of, what do you think goes into it? I think that the experience of an audience member to show is subjective to that singular audience member. But if you can leave a concert feeling a connection and something different that you didn't feel before you walked in the door, then I think the artist has thoroughly done their job. I've, I've just, I personally have gone to so many shows that have been so outside my wheelhouse of musical taste and musical experience. And I'll leave them with a totally different idea of what music even is. And there'll be something that I don't even have much relationship to, you know, but if I can appreciate what goes into the song and what goes into the experience, uh, I'm going to leave very happy. I think there are some artists that get a lot from their, from their technical abilities with their production. I mean, there's some artists that really can tell a story. I remember working in hip hop, that was something you'd see very sporadically. Like most rappers would go out there and they would just 
you know, bare their entire soul, you know, as raw as can be. And you got to respect that. But then there'd be some artists who'd completely surprise you with how they were putting together their shows. Uh, so as I was saying, um, so I, I once went to this great YG show that I was working on when um, I was working at ICM for my, uh, my boss at the time. And there was this great experience that I had there that really changed my mind about what a hip hop show could really be. You know, there was this one time in the show where he had this cutout version of his childhood home um, on the stage, and it was being robbed by a bunch of people that he knew. And he was reliving that experience that he had as a child or as a teenager, or whatever it was. And then it was setting the tone for the next song. And it was this theatrical type of thing that I'd never experienced in a hip hop show before. Um, so I left that show, for instance, feeling very differently about the YG album from when I had listened to it, you know, on the radio, it was totally, it was totally expanded upon. So if you, if you can offer something like that, where you're creating a new experience for just about anybody that is there and giving them something that they've never experienced before, I think you're doing something right. Okay. And are you working uh, or are people on your team working to sort of craft these shows? It really depends. You know, there are some artists that work with creative directors on their shows or producers and things like that. Uh, we're not as involved in that for a lot of our artists, but occasionally we will step in and, you know, try to help them find people to work with. It's just, we're really more there to look after their business and really be that for them above all. Okay. And as far as the business, um, something that I've heard, I'm, I'm curious if, you know, how much truth there is to this, but you know, artists profiting, you know, a lot from, from merchandise. Is that, is that one of the biggest uh, sort of ways, you know, artists are making money on tour or is it still kind of mainly just the ticket prices? It depends on the artist. I mean, I, I've seen it where some where artists just use it as a means of helping pay for gas money. But honestly, there are some artists that clear several thousand dollars after a night of selling merch. I mean, it's a great method of bringing in some extra dollars after a show, you know, where especially if, if the artist is appearing at the merch table afterwards to sign, I mean, you're automatically guaranteeing yourself sales that way. And it, it has become a big source of revenue for some acts. And then there are some acts that really go as heavily into it. Um, they're not investing the time into creating it or really doing much with it. Um, so, but it, but yeah, you're right. It can be a very lucrative stream, um, especially now where people are finding creative new ways of creating merch for that matter and distributing it. Right. Are there any other ways besides the ones that we've kind of talked about, before, you know, already as far as, you know, ways that artists, creative ways that artists have figured out how to profit, uh, especially maybe now in 2020 with what's going on? Well, they've, they've used, like I said before, they've used the softwares and the technologies to their advantage by not only going live, but creating interesting live experiences where you may be able to not only access a show, but you can also, if you upgrade your ticket, you can get a private meet and greet with the artist afterwards. You know, artists are getting very involved with VIP type things these days, you know, things like Patreon or uh, Cameo where they'll, you know, they'll record a 10 second video for somebody and somebody may pay a few hundred dollars for it just to have a personalized video from an artist that was sent to them. Um, so that's something that a lot of bigger artists have started to do. Uh, 
interesting ways of hopping on zoom with, with somebody just, you know, somebody may pay $400 and have four of their friends um, all there for a quick five minute meet and greet with an artist. It's really, it's quite interesting. I, I don't know how much of it I would want to do, but uh, it is something that artists are doing. And how have you seen, have you seen the, the sort of industry change with just social media and artists kind of building their brands, you know, online and now we're seeing, you know, especially with like, you know, hip hop, you know, a lot of, you know, like the sound whole SoundCloud generation of rappers, you know, all of these artists that, that kind of just started online instead of having a real physical presence at first. I'm just curious, how, how have you seen the industry sort of evolve with social media? Well, each social media platform has given birth to a new wave of artists. I mean, right now, the one you're seeing it from is TikTok. You know, we have a client that was not doing much. I mean, they were performing a residency in Atlantic City and going on tour here and there. But all of a sudden, they as a family, it's a family show, started going on TikTok. And then hundreds of millions of people started following them. And now they've got an international reach and just hundreds of thousands of fans that were never there before. Um, so something like TikTok has given new birth to something like that. And to so many others and with Instagram came a whole new era of influencers and artists. And uh, it's, it's appealed very largely to our generation of millennials with tremendously low attention spans. Um, you know, we don't have the, the time nor the interest to stay focused on something in a traditional linear fashion like our parents did. Um, as much as we want to cling to that, which is really why people started buying vinyl records again. That was kind of the trend is you were losing so much of that musical experience when you were just streaming a song on Spotify. All of a sudden they were like, I miss being able to hold something in my hands and blow off the dust of the record and put it on the turntable and lift the needle. You know, that's something that our, our parents took for granted and we, we took so much else for granted. And uh, I, I think that we're always going to cling to some remnant of that, but at the same time, you know, having, having a social media engagement that's so accessible has also taken away a large amount of the mystique that artists have had going for them for so long. You know, Dr. Dre said it best in an article not too long ago that social media has totally killed the mystique of the artist and actually taken something away from people that they used to have that they'll no longer ever have again. So there's two sides to that coin. Whether you want to think it's bad or good is really up to you. Right. That's interesting. You bring up the mystique bit. Um, I was just thinking to a, I forgot which publication it was that uh, they did a story on the weekend and basically, you know, kind of charting his, you know, ascension to the top and, you know, how he was basically, you know, had this big online presence, but never had a face to the music. Um, you know, he was like working at some department store and people would come in, you know, in Toronto and they'd be talking about, Oh my God, the weekend, they didn't know that he was actually right there working. Right. Um, but that, I mean, that, that when I was reading that, I was just thinking exactly that, that the whole mystique bit, I mean, that's such a, a great way to, to get people interested is, is I feel like not revealing everything. Yeah. I remember in college, I was obsessed with the weekend. I remember when, uh, when I think it was Thursday came out, you know, it was all those, those free downloads that we were getting where the cool kid in class would say, yo, you guys all hear the weekend's new release. And 
it's free, you know, here you go, listen to it. And for so many years, nobody knew, you know, much about the guy other than his voice is incredible and his music is amazing. And then all of a sudden he's everywhere. So I can definitely relate to that. I was a big fan in college. Yeah. Likewise. Well, what do you, what do you kind of see as far as like going forward? Um, you know, who knows, I guess how long it's going to take for COVID to, to clear up, but as far as just, you know, what you're doing in the music industry, how do you see it kind of progressing, uh, kind of going forward? Uh, there's just, there's going to continue to be a hybrid. I think that grows for live music and virtual engagement of that live music. I think there's going to be a virtual ticket scale sold all of a sudden where you, you know, one of the options when you're buying a ticket to a show is general admission, seated balcony, virtual, where you have a virtual ticket scale all of a sudden that can be sold to anyone in the world who wants to watch the show. Uh, that's something that never was even a thought before, but now you could theoretically open your venue to anybody in the world. Um, and artists are gonna be able to reach audiences a lot quicker and without as much assistance. So a lot of people in my position are worried that that would make us obsolete, but at the same time, you always need somebody to, to rally behind you, fight for you to make sure you get what you deserve and need, and you know to help you explore that era and element of your career rather than, um, you know, or, or for you so that you can just create and focus your time on that. Awesome. Well, Jack, I've, I've really enjoyed having you on the show today. Uh, for people who are interested in kind of finding out more about you or your work or um, Bicoastal, where would you direct them? Sure. Uh, you can find us at bicoastalproductions.com. Uh, send us an email at talent at Bicoastal Productions if you've got you know, something you're working on or an interesting idea. We're always happy to hear from new people and to connect. And we'll try our best to get back to anybody uh, with all the emails we get. We definitely don't want anybody to feel ignored, but please do be patient. Great. And for those of you who enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are Roscoe's Wetsuit. And then you can also listen to the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and now Stitcher. Um, also, go ahead and check out our Instagram page, Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. Uh, and go ahead and do you know check us out. Jack, again, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Toby. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show with uh, the president of Bicoastal Productions, Jack Foreman. If you guys did really enjoy the show and are feeling extra generous, go ahead and buy a mug. We get Roscoe's Wetsuit mugs now um, through Zazzle.com. Uh, you can buy one through Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast.com, and I'll put a link on the YouTube show to find one of those. Um, now I'm going to just kind of recap, you know, the biggest takeaways from the, the episode I recorded with Jack. I thought, you know, what he said as far as artists doing something to really stand out when they're performing, um, the importance of that. You know, he mentioned the example with YG um, using that very creative uh, kind of set um, and something that a lot of hip hop artists like currently do not do. He sort of figured a way to separate himself from the pack and it really left a big impression uh, for Jack amongst other concert goers. What Jack said really stuck out to me about artists, their main job being 
you know, when they're performing to do something that's going to leave an impression, that's going to really change how the audience member feels from when they, you know, enter into the show to when they leave. And if they can do that, according to Jack, you know, the show is a success. The other big takeaway I had from the interview is just that there's no, in the music industry, there's no blueprint, you know, to follow as far as, you know, doing uh, a set of things in order to, you know, grow an artist. Uh, there's not, there's not a blueprint, you know, it can vary. And Jack's, uh, you know, methods of just dealing with different artists in different industries, you know, varies greatly. So those are my big takeaways from the interview. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Feel free to uh, write in comments, questions. I'll probably be doing another Q&A uh, on Instagram pretty shortly.